This episode of The Citadel Cafe is brought to you by listeners like you. Visit patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe to find out how you can become a patron and help make this show possible. This is the Citadel Cafe, episode number 425 for Wednesday, December 1st, 2021. My name is Joel Duggan, and the Citadel Cafe is where my friends and I hang out to talk about the geeky stuff that we are into. Joining me this week, switching with Stephen ESC, is Brockett Vola, the Cat Volver, on all the social media that matters. Welcome back to the show, my friend. How was your Thanksgiving? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Just taking it easy, more of a potluck thing, so no burden of cooking all in one house and it worked out pretty well we have still have a lot of ham that's mostly what we have everything else is pretty much gone now so not a turkey dinner a ham dinner instead no we're not big turkey people really we we definitely lean hard on the ham (laughs) is ham also for christmas or you'd go yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) so with the potluck like yeah i've done that before at different family gatherings when there's like you know 20 people all gathering and people just bring stuff um like what What's your favorite kind of part of traditional potlucks? Like what, is there a dish that you just can't wait? Or if you have to make sure someone is bringing and if they're not, you have to make it yourself? A lot of times, well, somebody always wants some form of mashed potatoes, but it while it's varied wildly over the years. Um, I've seen some with garlic, heavy garlic, some with heavy cheese, some with heavy onions and I want to say there was another one, but maybe I missed it. Um, this year, ironically, ironically, one of the things I always uh, avoid, uh, sweet potato casserole, actually liked it because Laura's aunt who made it didn't put like the little tiny marshmallows to like melt across the top, which I'm just not a marshmallow fan in general, but you already have sweet potato, which is incredibly sweet and squishy. And then you have these squishy, sticky layer up top and no thanks instead what she did was she like almost like um lays cooked like she cooked kind of chicks mix and then like honey glazed like charred them across the top so you kind of had like this like almost like a cobbler crumble top of chex mix that was sweetened so the texture of that was fantastic to me um so i liked that a lot more so that was more my style so that was a fun surprise for me this year um and then you know we had the mashed potatoes we had some green bean casserole we had um rolls and the what's another one oh we did the um the cranberry some people um it's funny because i feel like i've heard more traditionally with other people this would happen but with both laura and i's households growing up they would we'd have a cranberry sauce but we would do the classic get it out of the can Mm -hmm. and like leave it in the shape of the can like that was like the joke of it, you'd let it squirt out, it'd have a can shape and you could slice it still. But like you would you wouldn't like try to disguise that it came out of a can basically. Um and this year our eleven uh, year old niece got to like kind of scoop start it and let it slurp right out of the can and everyone went, Yay. So that was a another fun little uh tradition thing that kind of crossed more generations this year. So that was fun. 
I follow a chef, uh, uh, Sad Pappy on TikTok, and he was doing a bunch of Thanksgiving recipes leading up to the holiday. And one of them, he does everything fancy. He was, he was a fancy chef when, and now he does TikTok videos professionally. And, uh, so what he was doing was like taking traditional meals and making them a little bit, you know, little, little shishi, you know? Uh, and what he did was he made homemade cranberry sauce. So like reduced the cranberries, you know, added sugar and it's like some spices and made it all really, yeah. really nice. <laughs> and then used the can as a mold. So it looked like it came out of a can. <laughs> Oh, that's really, that's cool. That's really funny, you know, because he had that like really hard earned cranberry sauce. And then at the end, it has like that coming out of the jar. Yeah. Yeah, It was really well done. Uh, Yeah. I get a, I get a kick out of that. Um, My, I like sweet potatoes and that's new, um, new ish in my, in my 40 plus years on the planet. The, um, the, the thing that my dad's partner usually brings is a sweet potato dish. Cause my sister's not big on them, but a lot of other people are. So Henry doesn't know how to cook them or not that she couldn't learn, but like just, it's one more thing she has to do for just a handful of people. So often Phyllis will bring uh sweet potatoes and she doesn't do anything too fancy with them, but she adds like cinnamon and nutmeg to them. Uh, and so they're still sweet. They're not extra sweetened. We don't do the whole marshmallow thing in Canada, at least not that I'm aware of most of the time. It's just straight up. <laughs> uh straight up sweet potato but I, that's my one of my favorite additions to my traditional uh turkey dinner i prefer turkey over ham most of the time um but i also i i've been on the fence because i grew up with potato stuffing and a lot of summer savory and that's actually yeah. cooked in the bird whereas yeah, yeah, yeah. um a lot of bread stuffing recipes are like a separate kind of casserole type thing but um every once in a while my my mom will try something new for stuffing and uh or or bring something new and it was one year it was a scandinavian recipe and it had like apples and cranberries and like pine nuts in it and it was really good it was traditional bread stuffing over potato and i'm normally more of a potato just traditionalist because that's what i grew up with but i i really liked the the cranberry recipe and i might try and nick it from whatever neighbor my mom borrowed it from because it was really good it's the kind of thing yeah. like if you're doing a potluck it's the kind of thing that you could bring separately and just kind of like add something really fun to the mix um this christmas i'm actually planning uh i'm surprising a friend I don't know if they listen, so I'm going to, I'm going to be coy about it, but I usually get invited to a friend's Christmas party and I just know often show up and just, you know, thank everyone for hospitality, but like ultimately, you know, I eat food and, and drink and, and go home. Uh, but this year I'm going to try to bring something new, uh, and that I think would be a hit. So I'm going to try something on my own, uh, but it's going to be, I don't say, well, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of time to try and figure it out. And the timing I find is what I'm fussing about right now is the timing of having it ready. Cause it's not something I could do like the week ahead of time. Like I kind of have to do it like the day before at the latest or, or the earliest maybe like it just, it's, it's hard to figure yeah. these things out because you kind of, you don't want it to be sitting around too long before you bring it. But then if something goes wrong, <laughs> I don't want to do it the day of. <laughs> right because then I, a i wouldn't have time yeah, to correct the mistake do. yeah and then two if it goes longer or takes longer than i anticipate i don't want to be late for the party <laughs> so so there's <laughs> that too um so yeah we'll see how that works out did you um did you take in any um black friday sales or cyber monday sales take advantage of any of that so we we're gonna get a new tv and so we saw an ad for a place in paper and it was going to beat out an ad for a different place that we had eyeballed for 
the whole month of November. And then when we went to do the day uh, or I guess, yeah, Black Friday, Laura found like the cheaper one was even cheaper than listed in the paper. Um, but uh, <laughs> it was uh, like sold out pretty much everywhere. So we'd have to go pick it up in Fort Worth, which where I am in Dallas is basically like a 40 something minute drive one way. So it'd be almost like two hours to go pick it up in store and bring it home, which, you know, we could figure that whatever. But then Cyber Monday rolls around and Laura's talking to her folks about the TV we got. And so they Googled it and then they saw that Cyber was having that TV again on sale, but it was now being shipped to you for free. So we're like, what the hell? So then Laura got that one. And I was trying to make sure that we canceled the original one. We'd have to go drive and get. So as of this moment, we may or may not have two of the exact same TVs, um, <laughs> which are like not it's not like they're both. 70 inch so you're not like keeping boy. some people nice. might keep 70 inch but um <laughs> but yeah it's our christmas gift to each other but not two of them i mean we're not going to go full like sports bar in this stereo vision you could you could do yeah. vr just <laughs> without a helmet right oh my god um is that daylight no that's our two tvs no, don't worry. yeah when um, you can hear the hum it might be a little bit too bright yeah exactly the wall is just so hot it, like things melt off of it um but yeah, so we're uh, we're trying to just keep the one, uh, and then we got to mount it. It's gonna be mounted, and Laura and I, for the longest time, ever since we lived together, we don't care for the TVs over the um, uh, the TVs over the the mantle or whatever on the no, fireplace. No, too high. But, yeah, too high. but the way our our place is set up, we've tried to figure it out, and it definitely looks like it's going to be. Um, uh, have to be over the mantle. So we're going to get a mount that tilts down. So we're going to have to look up. Plus, it's going to keep basically our kids from like scooting their chairs all the way up to their noses against the screen, which is sort yeah. of something we still kind of wrestle with right now. So anyway, that's that's the compromise for the the size of the TV and and the house we have now. Um, but, you know, it's worth it. it. It'll be fine. And we'll have yeah. other what, rooms in um, the house for them. Stuff. What model did you get, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, it ended up... Being a Vizio, we've had a Vizio mm -hmm. for a long time and it's been great. It's lasted for eight plus years. And the only problem it's ever had, it had since it was out of the box, which is it randomly turns itself off, which is very strange. You Google it. It's just something people all over the internet have talked about for a while. But it's one of these things where it's like, if the worst thing that happened is it turns itself off, which yes, is annoying at some times. But in general, it's just you just turn it back on. It's not an issue of having to unplug everything and restart it. It's just literally like, that's it. Uh, you just hit the button, turn it back on. Then it's like, well, you know, if everything else has served so well for eight years, we'll take it. So we, we went with Vizio for uh, for this one as well. So is it a Roku TV? Uh, it is a smart TV. We have a Roku TV. And personally, I do not care for Roku at all. I've always had issues with it connecting to ours or being slower. Um, so we're, app, we're Amazon Fire Stick people. So the TV itself is smart. It's not Roku, but if we need to... <laughs> um we'll just put a fire stick in it uh if the smart tv functions are not good enough um for us yeah so i uh i have a roku tv i have a tcl which is kind of like on the same level of vizio in terms of pricing and technology and the televisions i've been keeping up not that i need a new tv because i just bought mine less than a year ago uh but the Vizio have been reviewing really well, as have the new TCLs. And all of these companies have gone into like the 70 to 80 inch range. And um, I had a similar issue with my TV. I don't remember whether it was turning off on its own, but something would happen 
where I would then have to power it. Oh, I think it was the audio would cut out. Like I'd end up with a weird kind of like crackly audio and it would be terrible. And all I'd have to do was just turn it off and turn it back on again. And it was fine. Not an experience you want after you just drop $1,100 right, on your exactly, TV. Yeah. Uh, but as it turns out, um, and something that I, I never thought much about was that over the course of the last six months, I think Roku has updated twice and the TV software has certainly updated once in the last, in the last six months, uh, no, last month like in November at some point, because I went to go change my picture quality one time, just the brightness. Like, you know, I, I have a sunny room during the day sometimes. And then um, in the evening, I go to sit down and watch something. I'm like, oh gosh, my retinas, <laughs> you know, and I have to turn the TV back down to like normal yeah, yeah, or, or like dark, dark room settings. Right. And uh, I was like, oh, wow, the menu is different. Everything is in the same tree. Like it's all under like picture settings are under picture and the brightness is right at the top. It's all there. It just looks different in the way that it was animated and the way they came up on screen. And I came to realize that like on around the 15th of November, they updated their, their software probably ahead of the black Friday, you know, work out any kinks and ahead of any televisions that are moving with the new software on it. Um, or would have been updated the moment that you plug them in. I don't mind Roku. I don't use it that often. Most of the time I use my Xbox series X as my media hub. So uh, right. YouTube, uh, Netflix. I just, the controller is easy to use. Uh, if I have to type anything, it's way faster, uh, to use the Xbox. Uh, even though I could use the dictation on the remote for the TCL, I've just never, never bothered. Uh, and then, uh, the only time I switch is I find, and this is unfortunate. I found it now with more, um, Disney plus crave, which is like CBS all access for me and right, right. uh amazon prime the it's weird the amazon prime interface on the tv will look terrible like a 1080 picture on a 4k tv like it looks pixelated and really like 1990s but then the image quality on the show will be much better then the flip i'll be watching um I'll be in the uh, the Xbox Prime app and the interface is 4K, crisp. It looks like the Xbox interface. Like it looks very clean and new and modern. But then you go to watch a television show and there'll be artifacts or it'll be the frame rate will be weird. So I'm not sure what's happening. I'm sure it's got something to do with the fact that the television and the Xbox speak together like they should and then it looks for games. Um, but the TV will switch to HDR or Dolby whenever I play something that has that kind of content. And I chalk it up to the, the delivery of like, whether it's Netflix or prime, I'm really not impressed with prime's delivery. As far as quality, I have much better experiences with something like a Dolby digital experience on, uh, on Netflix. It'll be a much cleaner picture with very few artifacts. And even though I still deal with this strobing effect on the TV, I'm not sure why it still happens. I guess it's just something I have to deal with and that all 4K TV owners deal with it. That if you have something that's a, a, a vertical structure, like you're panning a city, like in a Batman movie or something like that. When the camera moves sideways at a steady, slow pace, the buildings kind of like stutter. And it's the only time you notice it. If anything is fast mm. happening on the screen, like if Batman is whipping around and punching people, you don't notice anything. It's fine. You don't see any anything like that. Um, but the vertical kind of stutter, it's got something to do with the refresh rate of the TV and all that kind of stuff. And it's probably because I spent a thousand dollars and not $2,000 on a TV, which was just, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't anymore. Like I just, I I'll deal with the compensation. Not to mention that the main reason that I bought the TV was for video games. And I never notice any of that kind of stuff in a game. It's only on television content. 
and then the variables are so high, like, you know, is it because the Netflix thing is slow? Is it because the people that made it, made it at a different frame rate? Like there's so many variables in that streaming setup, like you just don't know. So the real test is going to be this winter when I find and try to watch Lord of the Rings, you know, a 4K version of, of that or a 4K version of um, the Star Wars films and see whether the TV, it, whether it's just the signal or the content being sent to the TV is just either better or worse depending on what service and you know where the the content is so i'll have to figure it out if anybody in in the audience knows more about this stuff and can explain to me why i'm still having this problem uh drop me a line at the cafe at gmail.com i'm sure there's a lot of tech people in the audience that would like to know too um but speaking of tech i actually did take advantage of the black friday sales i was doing mostly christmas shopping but true to form it's the best time of the year to pick up tech for the home and tech for my office because what's tax deductible for me for like expenses. Uh, but then also for entertainment purposes, it's just the best time of year to buy stuff like that. So I've been putting money away for a little bit and I really didn't have to spend that much. I saved um, $30 off the Alto 6 Plus soundbar from TCL. And actually you mentioned Vizio and the Vizio uh, alternative to this 2.1 soundbar system reviewed much better in all the places that I went looking. Unfortunately, it's not available in Canada for any kind of reasonable price. It's like 500 bucks in Canada, which makes no sense because it is a $150 soundbar in the US. <laughs> uh, so I couldn't get the Vizio, which is too bad. Uh, but the TCL was um, was a close second and definitely within my price range. So being able to pick that up on sale was, was great. I haven't even hooked it up yet. Uh, it arrived the other day. And so I have yet to, to, to hook it up, but it will go nicely with the thing that I picked up that I had absolutely no intention of going looking for, but true to form, uh, on Amazon, when I was picking up some Christmas gifts, I was also um, faced with an advertisement for the fact that the echo dot gen three was on sale for 60% off. And one of the reasons I don't have smart speakers in the house is because like, I just don't feel like paying a hundred dollars for them. And, um, the echoes are, are cheaper as far as, you know, when you compare it to like an Apple HomePod mini or something like that, which retails for $130 Canadian, um, plus taxes here. Um, so this was 25 bucks, this echo dot. And I thought "Mm, gen three, I know there's a gen four, like what's the difference? Like, what am I getting, what am I missing out on? And it turns out after some quick research that there's absolutely no hardware changes in the gen three and the gen four. That's the same speaker. It's just housed differently in the four to be a little bit more robust, fill the room a little bit better, but I'm not planning on using this for music because I just bought a soundbar and a subwoofer, which is Bluetooth and (laughs) I can connect my phone or the echo dot to now. And then I can, I can play music that way. So I'm not really worried about necessarily this being the best sounding speaker. What I wanted it for was voice control. And quickly found out that all the house, the lights that I have currently in my living room, I'm not sure if you know, but I've got like some LED lights set up behind the TV and and whatnot. And they're all Bluetooth. Well, you know, what doesn't work with the, with the, the voice control in, in the echo is Bluetooth from my particular model of, of lights. They have to be, uh, fi for, for the Govi lights to work with the, the echo. So I was like, oh crap. So I've got some exchanging to do. I think I did buy a couple of new bulbs on sale over the holiday, over the holiday sales. And I think I might be able to return them and get the Wi-Fi ones for around the same price. So it's sacrificing a little bit of functionality. The current ones, not that I use this, but the current lights I have, they dim and they do all kinds of stuff with the Govi app on my phone. And truth be told, I use them mostly on a timer. I don't change the color that often. It's fun to be able to do it, but I don't have to do it. 
and I don't use the music function that much because they just kind of blink through random colors to whatever audio is happening in the room. Uh, you can't set it to just like stay red sort of deal. So uh, if you switch to Wi-Fi, you get voice control, but you lose you lose the ability to to have it react to music, which is fine. I don't need that. And then I'm also looking at some of the stuff that you can get now that reacts, like the television colors will react to um, the lights or vice versa. There's a little camera that you can stick on the top of your television Ooh. from GoV that that points down, reads the screen, and then the four light strips that you attach to the back of the television will light up the wall based on what's happening. One of the most dramatic things I've seen, Ooh. now this this was this was a Philips Hue, which is a way more expensive setup. It was like five or $600. This, what I'm looking at is like a hundred bucks. And, um, what they did was this person online had shown off what this thing could do. And the, the Philips Hue box works with HDMI and you plug the HDMI into your television. And then because the exact same video signal is going to the lights, that's going to the TV, it's pixel accurate as to when things light up specific colors. And this example that they were using was the Marvel intro that you see in front of all the different shows before like it goes through all the different know. avengers yeah, and like all the different colors yeah, and the, the characters are on screen yeah. anyway it was really cool and then the person that, that showed off the govi system it wasn't perfect but it was neat to watch they were playing forza horizon 5 and they were dr driving at night and as they were passing cars in the race the red taillights as they went by would light up the wall behind the tv only oh, for a good. brief second, but like just in the same sort of way that you get that red glare when you pass a car on the highway, it was happening in the video game. I was like, okay, <laughs> I know this is this is not a this is not a a, a need. This is a want, <laughs> but uh, so I'm, I'm considering it. I didn't pull the trigger because I'd already spent enough money, and and I was like, ah, I don't need it right now, and I kind of want to see a little bit more. I needed to do some more research. Uh, but the nice thing about that television setup is that it is Wi-Fi, which means it could be controlled with voice. Um, I can control using Siri my my lights, but the way that they work with the Govi app, I can't. I haven't figured out a way to group them all, so I can't just walk into the living room and say lights and have them all turn on. One will the LED strip behind the TV, but I have to address the left and right bookshelf separately. And so you're sitting there for three minutes, going like, turn this on, turn that on, turn this on too, and it just <laughs> it kind of takes a long time. Um, whereas now, if I can work it out. Uh, the one new strip I bought for the kitchen is Wi-Fi. And so I'm hoping to kind of re-outfit everything to kind of work from an audio perspective. And then I can just repurpose the ones that are behind the TV now. Because the ones behind the TV, they're not they're not meant for the TV. They're actually along my radiator as well. Like, so they go kind of like down along the baseboard, up over the TV, and then down along the baseboard on the other side. So they're not just behind the TV. So I don't know. I'll have to do some some workarounds, but it's kind of opened up this whole kind of like fun kind of like really. I mean, I've been talking about a lot about some of the expensive stuff, but like relatively speaking, like a strip of a sixteen foot strip of lights is like under thirty bucks. The light bulbs, mm -hmm. are, two of them are like thirty dollars. And considering you've got a Wi Fi bulb that doesn't need a special socket, it doesn't need a special, it does need a special app. The ones that I have, but the Wi Fi ones will connect to Google or a a Amazon. Uh, or Siri, I think I'm still working to figure out whether the Wi-Fi ones will also connect to Siri, but I'm pretty sure that because the Govi app controls the, the light, then you can get Siri to then control the app. Like there's a bunch of different interconnectivity and it did get me thinking about how, just how annoying it is. Cause I, I lost hours yesterday trying to sort out what will work with what, and 
I hope we get to a point soon where like Amazon and Google and Apple are just, things are just going to work with all the things, you know, so it doesn't yeah. really matter what home automation system you're embedded with. It's just going to be able to work because as much as I use Siri around the house for different things, you know, asking weather, checking time, setting a timer, um, I found in a short, you know, 24 to 36 hours of testing that the dot is just much faster to reply and I get, yeah. I get less errors, you know, like I get less of a, I'm sorry, I don't know what you're asking or like, I don't know that, but here's a bunch of links on the internet. Most of the time, if I ask like a complicated question, Sirius opens up Google and says like, I don't know, look here. Whereas <laughs> the, the yeah. echo dot I find will give me a little bit more of a feedback and it's a little bit more conversational, which is kind of fun. You can, yeah. I, I know that on newer devices with Siri, you can like have more of a follow-up question. Whereas the echo dot is just kind of like you ask the weather and it'll give you the temperature and what you might be expecting. And then you say, is it going to like how much snow is expected to fall? And that's it. You don't have to say like how much snow is expected to fall today. You can just say and how much snow is coming and it'll just answer. And yeah. I was like, that's really cool. And you can, you can't change the accent quite as much as you can with a Siri. Siri's got like a Irish female accent on my phone right now, which I find fun. Um, I switched the, the echo to use the wake word, um, computer, which is <laughs> just fun for me from a Star Trek thing. And I sure. did, I did switch it from the old female voice to the new male voice. I wish there was a new female voice because the old female voice feels very digital and very fake. Whereas the new voice for Echo, which is a male voice, is very smooth and does barely sounds digital. Like it really feels like a recording. And so yeah. I'd like to have more of that. Apparently you can get different celebrity voices as well. The one that they advertised to me was Sam Jackson, which I think would just be hilarious, but I'm not <laughs> ready to pay five bucks for it. Um, but apparently there are other celebrities and you can, you, you lose some functionality depending on what, you know, how robust the, the audio is. But like, I think it would be pretty fun, especially if there's one that sounds like the Star Trek computer like that. Would be, I would, I would get a giggle out of that. So <laughs> that's kind of where I am. I, I've hooked up my television to it, which is, um, the TCL wouldn't work, but Roku worked. So you have to download, oh gosh, what are they called? Skills, I think on the Echo. Uh, and then it will then interact with the devices that you've downloaded the skills for. And uh, the TCL just would not work. Uh, it was the instructions on the app were to go to a certain setting that just didn't exist on the TCL. So obviously the app is out of date compared to the TCL software. And uh, the Roku app though worked well. And so now I can like, you know, turn the TV on. I can just tell it to change the volume to 18 or 20 or whatever, which is really handy because the batteries, the little AAA batteries in my television remote died the other day. And so I've been using my phone app to turn the television up and down, which it's a terrible experience for Roku. Um, but being able yeah, to do it with yeah. being able to do it with just a command is super cool. You can switch inputs. Like I can say, turn on the TV and switch it to Xbox. And it just, it switches to the HDMI input that's labeled Xbox. And the only thing I need to do is um, I've tried to get the, the echo to talk to the Xbox and it doesn't always work. So right now I have the television and Xbox set up so that if the Xbox turns on, it also turns on the TV and switches it to the proper input. If the television turns on though, it doesn't turn on the Xbox, uh, because sometimes I just want to watch TV. And so I may have to like finagle that so that it turns on both ways. So like if I can get 
the Echo to turn on the TV with the voice command, but what I really want is the Xbox. I needed to be able to do both. Um, so once I can figure that out, I should be good. But it's just a matter of some learning curves. I'm sure if I watch a couple YouTube videos, I should be fine. Uh, anyway, I'm just, I'm really impressed that I was able to pick this up for like 25 bucks. And it's yeah. kind of a fun thing to play with. It's new. I hear about this stuff all the time on the tech news shows that I listen to, but I've not had a chance to... Um, to play with them at home because I'm, I mean, I've got an iPhone, I've got an iPad, I've got an iMac. I have a PC for gaming, but most of the devices in the house have been Apple focused. But then to get into the home automation with Apple, everything for the longest time has just been so expensive. So it's like, I just, I can't go down this road because it's just not worth it to me. But trying to explore other avenues and I'm in, I'm looking for a new phone in the next six months, I'd imagine as mine is getting to the point where like, it's kind of unsafe in terms of battery life. And you know, if I'm out somewhere alone, it would be not a good idea not to have a phone that's reliable. And I'm really on the fence about whether I want to try a new Google phone, whether I want to go with iPhone again. Like I just, I know it would be a learning curve, but I really don't use the phone for very much outside of like basic social media and phone camera stuff. I don't, I do use it from time to time with my flow for, for social media for business but like it's only it's like it's the copy paste thing but that's one apple thing that's convenient i'm sure there's a way to figure it out you know with a different app uh, like if i copy something on my imac by hitting Control v i can then paste it on the phone without even thinking about it like it works seamlessly so there's little things but like it's not worth that one thing is not worth sticking with iphone so i'm not sure i've got some research to do um, a lot of it i'm sure is going to come down to pricing and, and availability and that kind of thing but we'll see um, anyway, I feel like I've rambled on forever, but safe to say I took advantage of the, um, the Amazon sale on, on the echo. And if anybody listening has tips, tricks, fun, just hints and ideas to, uh, help me with home automation with the, uh, echo dot gen three, then let me know. Uh, I'm in an apartment, so I don't have a thermostat I can control. I don't have a front door lock <laughs> that I need to control. Um, I have mostly lights. Um, I will have a Bluetooth speaker when I hook up my, uh, new TCL Alto 6 Plus um, soundbar because that'll be working as like a, f- a stereo for the living room as well. Um, so we'll see. You know, we'll see how it goes. Before we get into the main discussion today, we have a listener email. It comes in from Grand277. Congratulations, dear Joel and co-hosts. First, congratulations on 10 years of the Citadel Cafe, even though I personally have only been listening for a year and a half. Well, you're a newbie. Welcome in. Uh <laughs> Like you, I watch other uh, others play games on YouTube to pass the time sometimes and have recently been playing two games called Inscription, a deck building slash horror card game that has interested me, and another game called Carto, a puzzle game where you change the landscape around yourself. These games seem really fun, but as I'm only a high school freshman without a job, I will most likely not be able to play them. Do you guys have any game recommendations that are on the cheap side for us who don't have an expendable income? And how do you feel about YouTube comparing it to other entertainment options? My mother personally believes that YouTube is not a high quality or as deserving as my attention as other entertainment platforms. I disagree as there is much more content on YouTube and a greater variety that I find interesting. How do you think that YouTube compares to other streaming platforms like Disney Plus, for example, Grand277. Uh, thanks so much for the email, Grand. Really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for the kind words. Yeah, thanks. Uh, and um, I guess we'll start with the video games. I've not heard of Inscription, but I feel like Lou would be um, someone that would enjoy it. So I'll have to pass that on to Lou. Sounds pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. What What are you, are you playing anything right now that's on the free side 
sprocket or are you mostly a console gamer that requires like game purchasing mostly console games the free free ish game that i play um is on phone or you i could play it on the desktop which is not apple but my phone's apple it's um just magic the gathering arena if you like the magic gathering card game it's essentially it's just that ported to some degree so you can jump into that for free and there's always like some codes online like every once in a while for packs and stuff and it's one of those games where like yeah you could pay money and you're gonna get more out of the game but also if you just kind of play and do like your one daily thing they give you a little bit of gold and you can kind of spend that towards playing the cards but anyway that that's you know for whatever reason that still holds my attention of course i played that back in middle school so that's kind of fun um something on the cheap i mean there we unfortunately timing of the email we just i just saw a bunch of solid like up to 80 percent off but mostly definitely 50 or more indie games are being on sale at least on the nintendo switch and uh, playstation stores and a lot of those games um already start off after their initial release somewhere around 10 maybe like if it's a bigger indie game maybe i've seen them around 20 but like when it gets like one of these big sales they usually just you know, it's been out for a while, so they just want people to buy them. So I've seen games that like are, are normally like nineteen ninety nine selling for like seven ninety nine, um, and that kind of keeps it pretty low. The only thing there is that you're getting a game that, in some cases, could be more like a thematic sort of thing that you're kind of sitting and enjoying. So you're not like playing it like over and over and over again, like kind of more rigorously, like you would for like an RPG or maybe some of the games you've mentioned, but. Um, some of those indie games, you know, you get seven hours out of sometimes, and sometimes they have more play- replayability. Um, but uh, I was trying to think if there was another. I mean, well, no, those are big tier games. There are some big tier games on Nintendo. Sorry, I have a Switch and a PlayStation, but I, I've been leaning on Switch more with the two kiddos so I can flexibly like just power down the device, put it down and pick it back up and it's back where it is versus, versus like PlayStation, which will turn itself off after like an hour of inactivity and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Um, but some of the big titles on uh, Nintendo just um, recently got like, went from like 59.99 American to 39.99 and that's like the Zelda game, the Mario game. So like big ones. Um, but again, on the cheap, um, yeah, I think, I think mostly your best bet is is to sort of check even outside of the Black Friday season. A lot of the game stores, I I mean I don't even use Steam. I've never had capabilities to use it because I've used Apple computers for so long. Um, but um, Steam or Epic, whatever, they always will have just free games just for having an account, and they also would just usually have massive sales. Um, so that's usually. Um, a good place to look. Uh, I feel bad. I don't have like a good recommendation. I haven't touched like a really shorter, smaller, like indie game that's really like super held my attention for a long time. I've actually done more big tier games recently with Metroid Dread and um, Divinity 2 and uh, some other stuff. But anyway, yeah, that's that, that's mostly where I would head for those things. There's usually always going to be something on sale. Um, and if you put on most of those websites, like a wish list together, sometimes you can just check your wish list and then it'll just show you in your list, like, oh, this say this game's not on sale. So then you can wait and cherry pick it when it goes on sale versus, um, worrying about paying, you know, 20 bucks when, you know, in a month and a half, it drops down to like, you know, seven ninety nine for a day or a week. I'm glad that you brought up Epic because I've, I've had an Epic account for a while because that's where I picked up satisfactory when it first came out. 
I don't know if Satisfactory yeah. is still on sale, but it was on sale for 30% off. Uh, still 20 something dollars Canadian. I'm not sure what that works out to in American or wherever you are, Grand, but um, definitely a game that you could put a lot of hours into. And so while it's not free, it's definitely going to um, be something that you can get your money's worth in terms of like, you know, how much does it cost you to go to the movies? You know, how much does it cost you to go to McDonald's for a hamburger? You take four of those hamburgers and put them into a video game and you've got this video game for as long as you want. And it's, I mean, I've put 500, probably close to a thousand hours into that game. Now I play it on stream part of my job, but uh, it's still something that has um, really over overextended its value to to the point where it's like it's pennies for for the value of time that i've put into it um but yes with epic you'll get a lot of i'm talking like proper triple a titles that go for free sometimes uh i've picked yeah. up a number of the assassin's creed titles uh not the latest but certainly a number of them uh over the years on epic where it just shows up in the free rotation it's every thursday they kind of roll out a, a new game or two and they let you know like this one is free right now this one is free next week and this is the free the week after that so you can kind of look ahead and see what's coming and it costs nothing to download it you know you just you just enter in your email you have to have an account um if you do find an indie game on on epic uh, or any game on epic um if you want to this is a full disclosure that it is a, an associate account but i have uh, a creator code which is just my name joel duggan uh, that helps support the podcasting that i do my twitch channel uh, so if you do pick up a game on epic and you use the code then it'll help me out uh, so if you want to do that you know in terms of the code like, again joel joel duggan imagine that just Joel Duggan. One yeah word. one word okay. really easy to oh. remember yeah um, it's just, it's a commission program that Epic puts out for creators, which I think mm. is really, really cool. Uh, you just have to have like a certain amount of following on like Twitter and Twitch and like basically kind of prove yourself as a decent kind of like creator influencer in the, the space. Not that I think of myself as an influencer, but like they, they have that option there, <laughs> which is cool. Steam does not have that program, but on the flip, Steam does have things like gift cards and uh, you'll see that happening a lot more where Steam games will be gifted to people and you'll have like a Steam balance of five or $10. And right now yeah. Steam has the autumn sale on. And so you'll have games uh, like uh, something like Stardew Valley, which is uh, 1019 Canadian, which would mean it would be sub $10 American right now. Uh, things like Halo multiplayer are free to play. Uh, Halo Infinite multiplayer, that is. Uh, Destiny 2 is free to play. Uh, Elder Scrolls Online. I don't know if that has a monthly subscription, but that's seven fifty Canadian right now, seventy percent off on the Steam sale. Uh, so I'm going to try to get this episode out as fast as I can, <laughs> uh, and so uh, check that out uh, on on the Steam sale because that'll be over relatively soon. It's usually just you know a few days around Black Friday, Cyber Monday. I think it might go a couple days into December, so just kind of jump on that as quickly as you can. Uh, Slay the Spire is something that Lou has talked about on the show. I, was yeah. gonna, I thought of that offhand. Yeah, yeah that's good thing. That sounds more like what he's angling for with the yeah. two games he mentioned. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I I didn't have time to check. Um, but I, the games that he mentioned, I, I saw them on YouTube and funny enough, probably because this email came in through Gmail, I saw an ad on YouTube <laughs> for inscription, <laughs> uh, the other day, uh, Townscaper sounds very similar to ca cryo. No, what's it called? Car Carto. Carto, Carto like yeah. cartography. I think yeah. is how that it comes in. Uh, but, yeah. uh, Townscaper is 448 Canadian right now, which means again, probably sub $3 or around $3 on the U S side of things. Yeah. And that is like a free sandbox kind of like not free financially, but like a free form, build your own open, town yeah, by like, you just kind of place houses and they kind of connect algorithmically and you can make roads and it has a very cool soundtrack. It's very chill. Um, Dorf Romantic is a, 
not a card game. It's more like a, a puzzle game where you're given a hexagonal piece of a landscape that has maybe a river on one side and trees on the other and a farm on the other. And you have to then place them in a interconnected board. And the more like sides you connect, the more points that you get. And that's it. It's just a very cool, pleasant looking game. And that's currently uh, around 10 bucks on Steam. I'm probably going to pick that up myself actually this week because it looks like a lot of fun. Something really chill to play uh, on stream. Um, the other thing that you can look at, uh, especially over the holidays, uh, is a Humble Bundle. And that's at humblebundle.com. Oh, yeah. And you can pick up a number of games, like several games in a bundle that will cost you a little bit more than $10, but we're talking like probably 10 or 20 games sometimes in a bundle. A lot of them are going to be indie games. And a lot of the times the... Um, the bundle will support charity. So yes. if you're trying to pitch it as a Christmas gift to your mom who might have different opinions about how you should be spending your time, <laughs> then you can say, well, <laughs> this is actually going to a good cause. If you look up what that cause is, you can like communicate what the charity is for and all that kind of stuff. But check out humblebundle.com as well. Uh, and speaking of criticism from mom about things like YouTube, this is really subjective and I, I will flip flap flop between both. It depends on my mood. Sometimes I want creator-owned, creator-driven content like a YouTube video. I certainly consume a lot of YouTube reviews of technology and games uh, and, right. and film and stuff like that. Um, I will watch a lot of Minecraft videos because I find it fun to watch other people play video games. I will watch content creators play video games that I either can't afford or don't have the time for, or like, I'm not sure if this is really for me. It's fun to watch, but I don't know if I want yet another building factory game you know i'll yeah. watch someone on youtube play it for a couple hours and be like okay i got my fill that's fine uh so that i mean i think it's a viable way to consume games because sometimes like the story in a game is really compelling but you either just can't afford it or don't have the time or maybe you just don't have the platform you know like maybe it's a playstation exclusive and you just you just you're an xbox person you just don't have that um so yeah check check that for you know a, a good way to consume that content but for me the preference it's it's like a yin yang situation or apples and oranges like it just it depends on what i'm in the mood for i don't go to youtube to watch movies or tv shows you know like i i watch which is available you can rent movies and, and yeah. rent tv shows uh if you have a subscription but i'm guessing from the tone of your email you don't um on disney plus i mean the quality of show that you get out of something like say marvel's hawkeye compared to the content that you get on youtube it's different you just you don't even really compare it you know it's more like if you're in the mood right. for well-made well-written dramas uh, or action stuff you'll go to a platform like disney plus like netflix um there's a lot of animated stuff on youtube that's fun there's a lot of you know short form content that's fun but like i've watched and finished arcane on netflix and nothing i've seen on youtube even holds a candle to the quality there so it really depends on on where you're hanging your hat. Now, like I mentioned at the top of the show, probably because I had your email in mind, I spent a year watching mostly YouTube content. I was even, I think I canceled everything but Netflix. And I just, just did not need to, to have the services because I just didn't feel like sitting down and watching a film or didn't feel like getting into nine or 10 hours of a series like The Witcher when I just was fine consuming 20-minute videos on you know my YouTube platform from several different creators and because i followed enough people i would basically have a new video to watch every day you know or several um yeah so there's that too uh 
it's it's one of those things where I think it kind of flip-flops between what I want to watch, like what kind of content I'm in. It's not that one necessarily has a higher quality because what you don't get on things like Disney Plus and Netflix a lot of the time are indie projects. You don't see a lot of, you might get the odd documentary, but you don't see a lot of independent creators on these big platforms because these are massive companies that have huge budget projects going on. So it depends on what you're in the mood for. Like there's some projects on YouTube that just wouldn't be possible um, because they involve, you know, um, creators experiences. They involve communities that just don't exist. Um, like Disney is not making stuff based on feedback <laughs> from people. They're making what they want right. to make. Uh, and if it does well, sure, they'll take that in consideration. But sometimes content creators, you know, especially in the Minecraft space, because that's what I'm familiar with, will look to see what their audience is saying as to what they like. And if they like a certain kind of thing, like a certain, like maybe they're doing hardcore worlds or maybe they're doing PVP or something. And if the audience likes more of that, then that creator might lean into that if they're also enjoying it. And then you get more of what you want. And you don't necessarily have that kind of influence on on bigger platforms, um, at least not in the direct way that you have on on YouTube. So I, I don't necessarily think that it's that your mom is right or wrong. I think it's more that um, it's a matter of where you like to hang your your entertainment hat and it can be both. Like, I mean, you can like both and just like them for different reasons. Yeah. Moving on into what we've been watching this week. Uh, I'm sure you will have a lot more to say on this than I will, because it's been an absolute eon since I've seen the original, but I have consumed the first four episodes of cowboy bebop, the 2021 live action series on Netflix. We'll have links to that as well as the original anime series, which is also on Netflix uh, in the show notes this week. And uh, I feel like I've been talking a mile a minute this episode. So I'm going to backseat and let you take this for a bit because I'm really curious what you have to say being a fan of the original. Uh, So far though, it's mostly enjoyable for me. Definitely some laughs and it's got some points for some unique design. But I'm curious as to how you're kind of feeling about it so far. Yeah, okay. Trying not to. It's one of those things where, like, you have a thousand thoughts. So let's crystallize this. <laughs> and, and spoiler warning the... for the first four episodes. Like, we'll have to talk about yes. some stuff for people. I'll try and keep as much of the original anime um, spoiler free as well. So I originally came to Cowboy Bebop. It came out in the '90s. It um, was in the states. It came on Adult Swim back before Adult Swim was kind of just dominated by these hokey um, joke shows. It was a lot more like Adult Tsunami, essentially. And that's where I found a lot of my favorite animes to this day, Dragon, Outlaw Star. But um, Cowboy Bebop was amazing. It basically just ran 26 episodes, eventually did a later movie, but that was it. And that was it. And they had some manga and stuff like that. But that's all I had and for that show for the longest time. And I loved it. The music was great. The characters were great. Um, and so when they said they're going to do live action one, and they to- toyed with that for years, Keanu Reeves was attached to play Spike Spiegel for a long time when they were going to talk about doing a, a live action movie or something, but eventually they came out with the information on Netflix that they're doing it. And uh, I was skeptical. And of course, the trailers came out and people were like, they did the opening credits tank, just like tank is the song for the opening credits. Uh, they did it just like, you know, they did in the anime. And, and so there's all these splashy things. Um, and I think right now, what's tricky and might work best that you've been so separated from the show for a while, because I'm talking about a show that I've seen probably certain episodes of Cowboy Bebop. I've definitely seen over 10 times, like just an episode. Um, uh, the whole series from start to finish probably f- completed five times. It was a show that like, once I got it back when like DVDs were precious, like 
I spent the $30. Can you imagine spending $30 on just four episodes of a show on a DVD? That's like how far like in middle school, high school it was for me where now you can buy like the whole series on Blu-ray for like $30 usually. But, um, but yeah, I'd show it to friends and all this sort of stuff. So I definitely am one of those people that's going to come to it incredibly judgy of it. Same the way I approached Umbrella Academy, which I love the comics before they did the Netflix show as well. Um, and the number one thing I will say about the new live action one is my friend pointed this out. They brought back the original composer. So the music, not only the old music that they're bringing back to put in this show from the anime, but new music is great. I mean, the music cues throughout the show are really awesome. Stylistically, visually, it's pretty awesome. Like the weird coat button thing that Spike wears actually looks pretty decent and good in reality, whereas most anime costumes don't always translate. But both Spike and Jet's costumes look great. Faye, of course, they had to make a lot more appropriate because usually she's just in booty shorts and like a like a button vest with one button that barely buttons, you know, that sort of thing. So you're like, no, yeah, it's not going to function for any actress to perform anything. Um, so they changed some of that. But for the most part, you know, well, Spike's hair is not green, but Faye's purple and, you know, Spike's got the the metal arm and all this sort of stuff. So um, I say music production wise, great. The casting of the main three, really, Spike, Jet and Faye, um, who are all in the opening credits, so you know, their involvement. Um they they I, I think all three of them actually are really good for their characters. Um, and so like you, I've seen the first four. And so where it starts to get tricky for me is that, of course, you're adapting the anime. And I was curious as to how they're going to do it. Are they going to adapt certain episodes one for one? Are they going to whatever? And so what they kind of picked to do was like a mashup where they randomly take bits from different episodes but only like certain bits. Like sometimes it's a full story bit or sometimes it's just like a character that's part of a story arc and they used it as a character for this other one. And how do I say this? I don't think the original probably is like mind-blowingly well-written, but I definitely bought the stories of each of those episodes, like the arcs and where they're going better than the live-action show. A lot of the stories in these episodes sometimes just feel so erratic and again probably because i have the burden of knowledge of the bits and frankenstein pieces they've mashed together and the new stuff they've just created out of nowhere for it um that it starts to look clunky um a lot of the best stuff is really again spike jet Faye, the them them leaning into those characters them giving those moments but the biggest, even more than the writing, the biggest thing that's bothered me the most thus far is the like antagonists have been, in my opinion, truly bad. Like the anime didn't have like these mind, like they're not writing Thanos. They're not writing like Iago, for God's sake. But like Vicious, who's like this behind the scenes character. You're, you're getting so much more of him so often so far in the live action show to the point where like he's not even... He's very limp for me right now. Like, he's just a guy. He almost seems like a bumbling, like, angry loser. And, like, although he is an angry person, <laughs> having the nickname Vicious from the anime, but he was a lot more, like, removed. And you could argue, like, he was one note because he only showed up in so much. And when he showed up, he was vicious. You know, that was it. But there was something to that. Whereas, like, if you're constantly seeing him in these moments, like, he's just walking around, like... 
I don't know. I Vicious to me is the absolute bottom of this show thus far for me. And he's he's supposed to be this very enigmatic character that obviously has some some deep connection to Spike um, and whatnot. And, and these things are being fleshed out. And I don't know this. The whole syndicate in general was always something that I felt was better with less information than more information. Um, and I will also say some of the bad guys that had showed up, Teddy Bomber, um, uh, I'm just trying to use their names. Um, this older woman who wears this big purple dress, they were like really good as an anime. And then they tried to make them live action and those characters just fall so flat for me on the screen. And it's such a bummer because they were really cool um, when they're conceptualized in their stories for the anime. Um, one of the villains um, that is snatched out, literally the whole story wrapped around them is abandoned and they only take that villain and their gimmick and none of the other stuff. And all the other stuff was like what made that villain and that story particularly engaging. So for that reason, I'm a little frustrated. I already know that they're going to use one of the best villains they had in the anime really early on. And it looks like they're going to tie them in in a more this has purpose for the story. Whereas in the anime, there were kind of banner hunters bouncing around and sometimes they just fell into new things. And I get it like storyline, you want bigger arcs, but like sometimes it's just fun to watch an episode where the characters like fart off for no reason and has no consequences. Now that might play better in the nineties than today when we have the MCU and everything has to have meaning, everything has to be connected. And I get that too. Um, so I'm trying really hard not to judge it too much for those reasons, but uh, I'm curious how, uh, how you feel particularly about the, those main people. Cause for me, going back to the positive, I think Spike, Jet and Faye just do a really good job. And the chemistry in particular between Jet and Spike is what you need to be great because that was great in the anime. And I think they've really nailed it. What do you think? So which not the big villain you just mentioned, but the second to last point you made about the villain that they just took the gimmick and didn't give any of the story or the nuance. Which villain was that? Teddy Bomber. Teddy Bomber. Okay. So yeah. yeah, disjointed is definitely a word that comes to mind when I think about why I'm still watching because there's definitely enjoyable moments. And some of those moments, like you said, comes with um, Faye Valentine because um, I'm familiar with the anime type. Um, it's been a long time since I've seen the anime. I did mm. watch the first episode on Netflix just to kind of like, while I was waiting for this to come out, I thought I was going to get to more of it, but I just never got back to it. I didn't dislike it. Um, but the last time I watched it, I was in animation school. So we're talking 20 years ago. Um, and it was not something I sat down to watch. It was something that someone else had brought in to put on while we were all working. So in school, right? So like you kind of got your head down at your drawing table and you're kind of looking up every once in a while. And at the time I was pretty dismissive of anime, especially when it came to like, you know, boob popping blouses. And I'm just like, oh gosh, no wonder you guys want to watch this. Like I just, you know, I was an older person in, in, in the class and I was just yeah. like, okay, I'm past this. I, I a little bit, you know, I'm not saying I'm super interested, in, but there were some animation and concepts and stuff in the show that I thought were really cool. Uh, that I think is what carries through. And so I've, I've giving it a lot of points for like set design and production design, uh, costume design is really cool. As you mentioned, I definitely don't feel often that I'm on a set every once in a while when they're on the ship, I feel like we're on the firefly. Like it feels very interchangeable with like, this is just some random set somewhere. It doesn't feel like we're in anywhere special 
Whereas the outside mm. shots will very often be just like, oh, we're supposed to be on Mars right now. And this feels very alien. Like it's kind of this weird kind of like grungy Avatar the Last Airbender meets sci-fi, you know, lots of neon lights, lots of like cyberpunky type stuff. And it feels cool. Like, and it feels unique. And you don't think this is just a back lot in Hollywood somewhere. You really get the impression and feel like you're on planet because yeah. the models for the ships that they've made, in some cases, I think um, Spike Spiegel's ship is a physical thing that they've got in the shot. Like it's not oh, it's always gorgeous. CG. It's really cool. Swordfish. Swordfish. Oh, and, and and they've totally nailed and and not deviated from some of the things that I think are pretty sacred to the anime fans. Correct. Um, yeah. The first thing I noticed about episode one was that it felt like a pilot. And I didn't notice that until I watched episode two when everything seemed to flow a lot better. I thought, well, this is weird. Like, isn't like Netflix doesn't have to sell this to anybody. <laughs> like, you know, they're, it just, <laughs> uh, it's very true. odd. I find when season one, episode one of any Netflix series feels like a pitch pilot, like a concept yeah. piece. And having just watched the first episode of the anime very recently, it was almost blow for blow. And I, that I, is, I, and I was kind of glad that I didn't watch the anime series through recently before watching the live action because I didn't want to just see the exact same thing beat for beat. So I'm happy yeah. to hear that it's not, that it's they're interchanging things. So I'm probably going to enjoy the process of watching this. I, I'll probably stick with it. And then going back and watching the anime to kind of refresh my memory. Because I remember not disliking it as a young man, but again, I haven't been back to it in a while. Um, but I find there's a lot of stuff that feels really bad uh, like really badly done. Like just it's, especially when it comes to jet black dialogue and delivery. I don't know whether I'm just not a fan of, of Mustafa Shakir, the actor. I, I don't want to lay it all at his feet. I think some of the dialogue he has to say is wooden and, and overwritten and does not flow from him in the same way that the things that, you know, John Cho as Spike Spiegel has to say, I find John Cho quite convincing. Very seldom do I remember, like I'm not looking at him in, and seeing Sulu, you know, like I'm not, I'm mm. not seeing him in other major roles he's been in. I'm definitely melting into Spike Spiegel, which I think is great. I don't know um, Mustafa Shakir from anything else, but he feels really wooden at times. And he just, I think it's more of the dialogue. I feel like it's, it's, it goes from like this buddy, buddy kind of like inside joke, elbow in the ribs banter, which I really enjoy, especially when Dunaway, um, sorry, not Dunaway, uh, Faye Valentine is in the room. Uh, it's very, like the three of them together is very fun because there's all these japes right. and jives and can I kill her just a little bit? Like I just, I really like that kind of stuff and it makes you feel like there's a history, but then in other moments, it feels like the conversation between Spike and Jet, it's like the first time they're talking. Like, it feels very odd. And I kind of wonder whether some of that is like the order in which they filmed everything and whether things got juggled around. And if we're seeing stuff that's very early scenes and very early work before John Cho and Mustafa Shakir found a groove, right? And then maybe. as they intercut later scenes that they might have had to film in different order because of maybe sets being available or COVID or whatever. And then we're seeing that all edited and cut together and you're getting like, oh, here they are in the first week on set and here they are in the 10th week on set and we're seeing them next to each other cut together and going like, why does this feel so different? <laughs> you know? And so right. I, I'm aware of all that kind of stuff in production. So I'm trying not to be too harsh on it, but it does definitely feel jarring. And Another critique I saw online, and I don't remember where I saw this, probably on social media, was that anytime they do anything that's cowboy uh, bounty hunter-esque, it's pretty good. 
it's fun, it's actiony, it's it's quippy because there's peril, there's there's um, timing involved, there's a rush to get the bad guy, the bounty before they die or or you know reduce their income and try like try right. to get the bad guy without blowing stuff up so they don't have to pay for everything out of their bounty. Um, and then every and that feels good. But then anytime there's like the on ship or the slow conversations or the heart to hearts or any of that kind of stuff, the show just comes to a grinding halt. And I'm just like, yeah, I, that's kind of been my experience. Uh, not so much with other characters. I really like the conversations between the Julia and Anna. The Anna's the bar owner, like the. Oh, the yeah, the bar yeah. owner and Julia. You mean? Yeah, and then Julia is just like the former love interest of Spike Spiegel, and uh, I think so. Anyway, um, don't spoil it if it's beyond where we were watching. Um, but but like those exchanges feel good. They feel like a drama. They feel like, you know, kind of like that mafia esque, like, you know, wife of dangerous man is in trouble and scared for her life and kind of confiding in, in someone that is a boss in her own right, but stays out of everybody's way. And is more about, uh, information trafficking than any kind of like really illegal stuff, uh, as far as I know. And so like that kind of stuff is, is good. But like you, I also feel like vicious, played by alex russell is cartoonish at best i feel like the anime might be more realistic it's awful he's so drawn like it's like he's speaking through his chin it's like it's this really odd way of holding yourself and projecting yourself as an actor and it's it's like if you told me act like a cartoon character but an evil one it's kind of like the the campy version of what you'd expect (laughs) yeah he's really he is truly the point where i'm like i don't even know what was it in screen testing that he's good maybe yeah. i i really think what happened is they gave him like two monologues maybe from the anime or maybe from episodes we haven't seen and he nailed them so well that they were convinced he could carry all this news material all this more heavy backstory that they're kind of working up for him and behind the scenes and back to your point the bounty stuff, the cowboy stuff is stuff that's the most ripped from the cartoon. There's very little sparsed in of really and truly Spike, Faye, and Jet's backstories. Now, if they had a backstory, the episode was focused on them because there will be. Um, it was tied to a bounty or is tied to the mission. And so you get this revealing of we have an action thing for our mission and I've been withholding on this information and you're going to find out about it because we're doing this. We're doing it and showing it rather than talking about it or let's create some backstories or characters that didn't exist in the anime to create more backstories for other people like the bar owner stuff like the only person i remember spike ever talking to in the anime like owned a convenience store she didn't own this big flashy burlesque jazz bar Mm. um which is cool given the content of the music and stuff but like at the same time so far i need to see why that stuff is creating more value rather than reducing the value that's there. And right now, Vicious is bringing down so much of the show for me, um, as are some of the clunkiness of how they're handling the the villains and different things. Um, one of my friends says he really thought the fight choreography was bad. I thought the fight choreography from Spike was actually pretty good, considering that's one of his most iconic stuff, is this lanky, long-armed, sort of free-flow comment that he's known for um and i thought john cho's done a really good job i thought they've done a pretty good job with a lot of that so far i i thought that kind of stuff was cool but i get the idea that it was supposed to be choreographed and more 
like a live action version of an anime fight, not a live action fight in an anime show. Born identity, like really tight. Yeah, no, it's not. Yeah, it's not supposed to be realistic. And I, I get that. They communicate that pretty well in terms of the, uh, like you can almost hear there was a fight on a rooftop between um, Spike and a guy that was um, kidnapping dogs. And he hadn't, the, the, yes. the, before his face was changed, he had an Afro and it's very iconic. Like I remember images like that from the mm-hmm. show and yeah. you can almost hear them go, ha ha. <laughs> like, yeah. They don't say yeah. it, but there's a pause when they kind of raise their hands like, Oh, I see, you know, Kung Fu, <laughs> you know? And yeah, so exactly. that kind of stuff, when they do those kind of dramatic pauses, he's like, okay, this is going to be, a choreographed dance and meant to be as not funny, but it's meant to be as tongue in cheek as, as the rest of the show. It's not meant to be like, okay, now we're going to do an action sequence and then we're going to be back to the campy dialogue. Cause if you look at the costumes and stuff, it's very cartoonish. Like they really have big shoulder mm-hmm. pads and really weird, like Victoria era dresses and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and it's also compl- like one of the things that pulled me out of it is in the most recent episode, uh, Faye Valentine gets shot in the shoulder. Ugh. Doesn't even phase her. Uh, it's yeah. through the middle of her clavicle. Like she just, she has a big wound and she continues to use that arm to hold a gun and fire it for the rest of the episode. I'm just like, yeah, you, your arm would be in a sling. And they make a joke of it too. They're yeah. Like, Do you need help with that? She's like, nah, no. Nah, yeah. Like, I mean, that, it, and that, so I get that there's, there's a little bit of like, kind of like the rules of the world yeah you kind of don't know them yet so i get that i mean i'm on board to see where it goes with the syndicate only because i don't know a lot about it and hopefully like you said they keep it a little bit more mysterious um john noble is uh caliban which i knew the moment he opened his mouth and i'm just like okay him as a villain i'm in i just he's a good actor (laughs) you know so it can't be as this show is uh i'm curious to see where that's gonna go so, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll see how it goes. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm watching it and I'm not disliking it. So I'm, I mean, there's obviously sure, something yeah. about it that carries me through, but true um, to your point, vicious is something that pulls me out of it. Yeah. I was going to go back to, to your point about jet. Cause at very first I was frustrated cause they, the balance with jet in the anime, that's really awesome is that he has these bonsais. Now they punched it up by giving him a daughter in the series, which is okay but it it leans back into one of the things that is his his main default is like all right this is the mission keep your head on straight spike i'm kind of like the grouchy police chief and i'm gonna yell at you about some stuff and you gotta listen and you're gonna roll your eyes but don't you roll your eyes at me that's sort of a default for him that's in the show but what gets balanced is sometimes he's like playing with these bonds he's like keeping his bonsai plants and he like and he's like very, very earthy about it and then other times he's like, he's like, we'll go listen to a jazz thing. And he's trying to be really chill. And he's like the the grandpa that's kind of gotten like one too many beers and finally is loosening up a bit. And and there's a lot more humor to him. He is incredibly stiff um, overall. So personally, I thought what they didn't do him, Mustafa, a service of early on was giving him enough of moments where he could smile and not just be grouchy police chief the whole time because spike of course is going to draw all the laughs and humor because he's constantly like i don't give an s about nothing and he's constantly running into fights with people shooting guns at him with earphones on so you of course know he's like going to be the epitome of like just badassery whereas spike's like grouchy and is complaining about you know the rules of whatever 
So I think the disservice to him was early on. And I think as I watched it more, I lean more now to Mustafa being the best version of what you could do for the anime character. Even Spike, to some degree, has moments where I'm like, Ugh, it feels kind of strange. It just feels weird um, for him to be like that. Um, and I think, again, it's because he's so tied to Vicious ugh, and all that other stuff. But Faye yeah. so far has been really nice. I think they've given Faye a little bit more early on than just I'm sexy anime girl who shoots guns and steals your stuff. Um, and she's a little bit less of that and a little bit more of, of like, you know, three-dimensional yeah, person. Already. I'm trying to remember. She reminds me of someone like she reminds me of how Catwoman is portrayed a lot of times as a young female yeah. character in different movies we've seen like uh, capable, but cryptic and untrustable you know like just will absolutely look out for herself and no one else at every opportunity uh in that way it does become a little bit predictable but i like that she's fast talking and funny and not necessarily like the the best you know like she she happens into uh both good and bad luck you know yeah uh and yes. and is freaked out when people turn into trees it's not like she looks at it and goes like i've seen this before i can handle everything she just loses her <laughs> mind you know like there's there's a certain amount of of yeah. Stuff like that. And that's the thing that I, I'll touch on before we, we move on. And that is the show. I've tried to watch it a couple of times while I've having dinner and it's gross. And I didn't expect it to be this gross. And there are <laughs> definitely times in the show where I'm like, I don't need to see this while I'm eating. And I've paused it and just gone back to it later. Um, they pushed hard into some more of the gore of the violence, whereas the series just felt more like people got shot and you didn't need to see exit wounds. Like that mm. wasn't the point of the series. There's a lot of gunplay and violence in the original yeah. series, but if somebody's bleeding across the floor, it's more for the shot yeah. and like how that looks. Whereas in this show, it's more for the, the, the shock value. You know, and, and, yeah. and I find that even just being gross, it's not just about gore and violence. It's also like, sometimes it's just a little bit too much Foley work with like somebody chopping sushi. It's like, I don't need to hear the slimy slop yeah. of the fish hitting the chopping board. Yeah. Like there's just, there's a lot of over the top, um, like sensory overload stuff that I'm just not a big fan of. Uh, anyway, yeah. I, I still think it's worth watching. I think it's worth checking out. If you are a fan of the original, you're at least going to have a critical eye. And uh, if you haven't seen it in a long time or haven't seen it at all, you're probably not going to see all the things that Brock and I are seeing. I mean, you probably will agree with Vicious. I think most people would, but uh, I think that it's it's worth watching. And it's, it's, it's a fun departure from what I'm used to seeing. And if you are sick of all the really dark stuff that's on streaming services right now, as far as actions and sci-fi stuff, this is, it's got some grimy moments, but overall it's pretty jovial. Like there's a lot of, mm -hmm. a lot of laughs and I've definitely laughed out loud a number of times or rolled my eyes in some cases. Um, yeah, worth, worth checking out. Moving on into the internet minute, which is of course brought to you by you, dear listener. The Citadel Cafe is listener supported and that's 100% listener supported. You've been getting value out of the show. So please consider putting a little bit of value back in. Become a member at patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. Joining at any level will get you a member only discord invite as well as access to the bonus episodes. I've been trying to record more of these. Brock and I had a short conversation before the show today. So patrons will get access to that. Uh, you can look for that at patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe, where we have 21 patrons study on from last week. If you'd like to be patron number 22, then just head on over to Patreon and uh, support the show. And we will welcome you into a very fun, very kind, very welcoming, nerdy community. I'm sure you will have a good time. My pick this week is uh, fairly straightforward and in line with a lot of the green tech that I like to showcase on the show. It's a wind turbine wall. The article is on uh, kotke.org, K-O-T-T-K-E.org. It is designed by Joe Doucette. 
and it is a kinetic wall made up of an array of rotary blades that spin individually, driving a mini generator that creates electricity. So think like wind chimes or any kind of like twirly gig that you've seen on someone's porch, but then arranged in a solid wall that looks to be about 10 foot by six foot, I would guess, uh, maybe a little bit more than that. Uh, they're designed to go in places where you would have like a retaining wall or a large flat shed or something where wind or air would move very freely along uh, that surface. And it can generate up to around 10,000 kilowatt hours per year, which is roughly the amount that a single family home consumes. So really cool idea. And it looks really pretty. Like it doesn't look like you have a big turbine in the middle of your yard, or uh, we've showcased some tulip turbines on the show before, which are cool looking, but ultimately still have a very uh, distracting kind of like, look at this in the middle of the yard or on top of the house or whatever, uh, which is fine. They still look neat, but they are much more distracting. So if you're looking for something that looks like, you know what I mean when I say like those old cinder block carports that would have like the holes in them mm -hmm. where the, it's not quite enclosed the air can still flow through but you can sort of see through it it's that mm -hmm. it's that kind of thing as the turbines turn you can sort of see through it so you could use it as like a decorative piece to either enclose or not enclose a space along the way of a solid wall um it seems very very cool we'll have a link to the article and a link to the youtube video in the show notes this week and uh, i'm all on board for stuff like this especially if it becomes affordable for homeowners to then add something like this that will hopefully over time pay for itself as you are no longer pulling power from, you know, less than environmental friendly um, sources in your, you know, your country. And uh, I'm hoping to see more of it. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Citadel Cafe. You can get more information about the show and links to some of the things that Brockett and I talked about at thecitadelcafe.com. Music for the show was composed by Kevin McLeod. And of course, you can email us at thecitadelcafe at gmail.com or find the show by name on Twitter. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube. Word of mouth is the easiest way to support the show. Just tell friends about the Citadel Cafe and where they can go to listen to it. My name is Joel Duggan. You can find everything I am doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio at joelduggan.com. You can find my other podcast, The Spawn Chunks, at thespawnchunks.com. That's all about Minecraft. And 118, Minecraft, The Caves and Cliffs Update Part 2, dropped yesterday. And so that is what we're going to be talking about over the coming weeks. You can also follow me on social media at Joel Duggan and, of course, twitch.tv slash Joel Duggan, where I play a lot of satisfactory Minecraft and hopefully some new games that I might be picking up on the Steam sales and uh, Epic Game sales this coming week. Rocket, where can people find you online? Just follow me at the Cam Volmer on all the social that matters. You've been listening to the Sizzle Cafe, where we are fast, easy, and cheap, but you can only pick two. <laughs>